Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Paul growling or grunting in a ripped T-shirt, I thought would have had more effect on me than it did. So maybe it was the badly applied makeup, I don't know. Welcome back to the Bake Down podcast with me, Josh Landy, founder of Bake With a Legend, the company that gives you the chance to bake alongside former contestants from the great British Bake Off. Now, we learned that the episode this week would be all about free from... Free from dairy, free from gluten, but not free from Paul Hollywood being dressed as the Hulk. Now, once again, the bakers seemed intent on this week being all about survival. And of course, four of our five bakers did. But we sadly had to bid farewell to one of the all-time great characters ever seen in the tent. Our full festive range of virtual public classes is now on sale, though several of our most popular festive classes are now full. Dan's Booster Noel has needed yet another date, December the 12th, to be put up, such as demand. So that's on December the 12th, but there's also a few spaces at some of our other brilliant classes. There really is something for everyone. Head to bakewithalegend.com slash online classes to see more, and remember to use the code podcast to get 10% off. So, to this week's podcast, dairy-free ice cream sandwiches, vegan sausage rolls, and a visually spectacular gluten-free celebration cake for Dan, Howard, Jane and I to talk through. Enjoy the podcast, keep your emails coming in to thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. Welcome back to the Bake Down podcast, where once again, I am thrilled to be joined by Howard, Jane and Dan. And we are free from absolutely nobody. Dan, you missed the first 10 minutes of last week's podcast. We tried not to draw too much attention to it and just naturally put it in the edit. But a few people did message me saying they had spotted that Dan was not there at the beginning. Dan, what was your excuse? Do you want to to clear this up for everyone? Well, I was a bit sick. So I just, to be honest, it's one of the, well, this happens a lot of the time when I'll be woken up by someone screaming, why are you still in bed? Yeah, whether it's my children or anyone else. Uh, So no, I was just, uh, I was ill 
and I was late that day, so I do apologise. But I'm here in full force today. I was even 10 minutes early today, I think. You were. Can we have a full list of people that do come to your house to scream at you for not being in bed? Is anyone else apart <laughs> To be honest, ma- mainly my cleaner. She's like, I need to change the bed sheets. Get out of bed. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And you've already mentioned that she is going to be joining, uh, joining us very shortly, maybe. Has she got a view on Bake Off that she could contribute? I, I don't know. I don't think she watches it. I think uh, she, she thinks she thinks it's just a flight of fancy that I made up that I was on television once. No, but uh, hopefully her Hoover won't be making an appearance later. We shall have to see. OK, do you could just leave your old Bake Off series on on the TV in the background so that she knows it's not anything you've made up. <laughs> no, you know, I haven't watched my series. I watched it a, few, a couple of times when it was on, but I haven't watched it in a couple of years. I might have to go back and watch it, see how lo- really? young I look. Yeah. Well, just a quick question then from one of the emails we had into the bake down at bakewithalegend.com. This is Carly, who who wanted to know really about how you managed uh, that time to practice a bake off with your your two little ones running around. I have three children under the age of five. It's almost impossible to get undisturbed time in the kitchen. I end up involving them in whatever steps they are least likely to mess up. Do you have any advice? Or were you, Dan, doing it between the hours of midnight and 6am and then returning to bed so it was okay? I mean, that's a loaded question because Josh knows how I work, which is basically in the middle of the night. So yeah, I was not sleeping at all. Uh, Yeah, I didn't really get any time to practice. And that's the main thing to which I attribute my spectacular mental breakdown, which uh, the nation got to enjoy for themselves. But yeah, it's uh, it's very common. It's so hard to find time. I don't know how anyone with kids does it. I really don't. Yeah, I can uh, slowly start to relate now, nine months in. Jane, we had further comment from Carly on this email. Firstly, saying that she so enjoyed the biscuit cookie class that she took with you a couple of weeks ago and has baked them twice since, and they're very popular amongst her co-workers. But she wanted to add to the pudding dessert question we had had and also the discussions around all things moist. And she sent us this photo, which I did share in our WhatsApp group, which was a super moist lemon cake mix. And on the side, it says, there's pudding in the mix. Carly said, are you able to find these in Great Britain? If not, I will mail you one. I would love to see what you all think of the box cake mixes. So Jane, any view on super moist lemon cake mix where there's pudding in the mix? (laughs) Oh, I'm really not sure about this pudding in the mix, but I did look it up. And thank you so much, Carly, for um, offering to send us some. Um, But we can get it from Amazon here, good old Amazon. You can get everything. And it comes from, I think, a supplier called the American Store or something like that. So we could get all flavours of super moist cakes which is fantastic and we were just discussing before we actually started recording you know just how reasonable it is and I can understand if you've got a no fail box of moist cake mix why you wouldn't use it instead of risking some dry sponges which clearly a lot of people do have problems with so look, I think if I was in America I'd be very tempted to do this on a regular basis and pass it off as my own my middle name is Pinocchio though so <laughs> shock life <laughs> this cake mix, $2.45, we can see because this photo has clearly been taken in a store, which is £1.82. So a very reasonable amount, obviously, for your cake mix. And Dan, you were just saying how sometimes you see uh, recipes and they refer to cake mix. Yeah, sometimes, uh, particularly American cake recipes, they'll be like, yes, one box of cake mix. And I'm, I just sort of think, well, that's not really a recipe then, is it? It's, uh, I don't know. I think, uh, well, obviously given the company that we're in, I think all of us get a bit of a sense of pride from making everything from scratch. So I'm sure we would never do it really, would we, Jane? And I'm sure Howard has never done it. No, Dan, you wouldn't. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned um, that you've got quite a lot of cakes to make, Dan. So maybe, um, maybe it would be easy just to sort of slip one of these into. Cups. No. Look, if you've got if you've got a lot, cake freezes incredibly well. So if you've got a lot of cakes to make, make them, level them off, put them in the freezer, wrap them, wrap them well so they don't get freezer burns. Stick them in the freezer. That's where I get my emergency cakes from. Not from a box, I'm afraid, Jane. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They do freeze very, very well. And um, I've just had to make a cake for somebody's. 35th wedding anniversary. Any guesses what a 35th wedding anniversary is, guys? And we know that 25 is silver and... Emerald? Is it emerald? 40 is ruby, so it's going to be a less precious gem than a ruby. So I go with a sapphire. Is it coral? Coral. Have you you had your Google open there, Josh? My parents. (laughs) My parents have only just gone past 35. So um, Uh. luckily I was able to to know that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Coral, which is rather nice, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Coral, we don't do wedding anniversaries in our house. We always forget. Both of us, so that's rather handy, isn't it? Um, but every day is a celebration in my house, so we don't need to worry about these prescribed anniversaries. Very nice. Well, look, Jane got sent a, a cake mix last week. Now, I sent a delivery to Howard via yes. Amazon. Of course, you can send absolutely anything. Now, I was shocked that Howard said last week he could not remember the last time he had a Twix bar because it's one of my favourites, and it didn't get much love from Jane or Dan, to be honest, but I decided I would send Howard a Twix bar and ask that he eats the Twix bar live um, on the next podcast <laughs> we do. So maybe I can convert you, Howard, back to liking Twixes. Uh, Twix, yeah. Uh, have you got one there? And it's I, I, have, I, have to, I have to say, I put them in the kitchen and uh, my mum had a, a new oven installed the other day, so I popped round while she was having the oven installed. And when I got back, three of them were missing. So Peter has already has already been in this packet. Oh wow! Well, yeah. doesn't this go to show that you know you should have had Twixes uh, around? I, I feel I feel I've, I've sort of been letting the whole household well, there's only me and Peter, but down by not having biscuits in the house. I have Are to say they're really finger? tiny. They're tiny, aren't they? Well, I they're I not sent tiny. You single finger ones. You can get larger ones. I think These you were a single a child the last time you ate them. So they just, they That's look true. Now. Yes. <laughs> no, that is true. <laughs> what? Oh, that, that's now. just a marketing ploy, I think, to tell people that they don't remember them being as small as this. And I always thought Twix referred to the fact that they were two in a packet. So these are Twix fingers, so they're individual fingers. I thought Twix meant this too. As in betwixt. We don't put a lot of video content out from this podcast, but we will be putting Howard's... Oh, um... John, but it's not a pretty <laughs> sight. It is absolutely riveting, the what the, side, the view of an adult man eating a Twix. Uh, you're missing out a lot if you're only listening to this. <laughs> Howard, Quite give nice. us your immediate reaction. I think Dan had um, described that it's it's very, very similar to Millionaire Shortbread, isn't it? Yeah, I must admit, I'm not a great kind of milk chocolate fan. I do prefer a dark chocolate. But, hey, you know, it's a, it's a gift, isn't it? So thank you very much. It's it's very nice, sure. <laughs> it's a lovely very, gift. Very whenever, welcome. Whenever anyone asks me what I want as a gift, I always just say, just something I can eat, please. Yeah. Uh, for me, that is the ideal gift. So, yeah, lovely. Send me, when are you going to send me some food, Josh? Well, you are going to get your uh, gift probably next week. So we'll have to find something in this week's episode that makes sense to uh, to send you. 
which does bring us on uh, nicely to the episode, but there were so many emails, so I'd just like to read one or two more of those, if that was okay. Um, now, do you guys remember, we had Daniel email us. He was in Detroit about his fantasy bake-off game that he plays, where they all pick different people at the beginning and they have their different rules. So unfortunately, Dan seems to be listening about three weeks behind, but he has got back to us. He said that his partner very excitedly ran into the room saying, you must be Dan in Detroit, um, because we, we brought him up on the podcast. So maybe one for next year, but he has sent the rules for his fantasy league on bake off the rules for our fantasy league are simple each team picks three bakers they think will go the furthest you get points based on how far they make it first week are limited no points then two points four points six points eight points ten points 12 15 20 and then if you're a finalist 25 if you're the winner 30 your team also receives bonus points if one of their bakers wins a technical challenge or is star baker so three points for a technical challenge when star baker is five points so that is his rule so you all pick three bakers and it's about how they do collectively depending on your one so so one for next year i guess for everyone listening and maybe dan in detroit has, has started a new craze Dan, are you going to get involved next year? Sure. I was trying to mentally work out who would be winning this year. But yeah, no, we'll have to play from scratch next year. It's far too late to play this time. I suspect Jane is looking like she might be winning. I think so. I'd, well, I'd had Giuseppe and definitely would have had Jürgen up there. And yeah, on the edge with um, Christelle and uh, and Chink. So yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty well covered there. I think you're retro- retrofitting this quite nicely. You were never <laughs> high Christelle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like you know, the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> we can go back and listen to those uh, opening episodes and, and try and work it out. But for now, we'll just uh, wish Dan in Detroit and everyone else who's playing along with him all the very best and, uh, and hope that they're very much enjoying their fancy bake-off game. Another question, I think this one maybe for Howard, is, is all about Baclava. It says, hello, folks. You make my Sundays listening to the episode so special. I am so white. My Ancestry.com DNA results said wasp. But I was lucky enough to work in a restaurant whose owner, Dino, grew up in Greece. He taught the whole staff how to pronounce dishes, including gyro, which is pronounced gyro. Dino said baklava is pronounced bak-le-va, accents on first and third syllables. Think the Beatles drive my car. Jane and Howard, you can sing it for Dan. But if you are in Lebanon, <laughs> the V becomes a W. Stay safe and blessed. Love, Amy, in Wisconsin. So there we go. Bark-le-var, apparently, Howard. You happy Bark- with that? Bark-le-var. Oh, right. Or Bark-le-var. <laughs> yes, if you're in Lebanon. If you're in Lebanon. How interesting. Any plans to go to Lebanon, Howard? No, I don't think so. Or, or to, to I, I feel awful, but I don't really plan to sort of change my pronunciation of it either because uh, I shall forget I think. I mean Mary Berry brought about the craze of saying Genoese didn't she? I'm like, it's a very anglicised version we just we just say everything in an English accent I just think it's better isn't it? Do you know I was watching an old sort of clip of Mary Berry the other day talking about margarine it's like I'd never heard of margarine margarine yes she, she uses margarine as in margarine? <laughs> I think margarine but with a hard G Oh. Margarine. <laughs> Usual. I've heard that a lot in the past. I Have think you? All right. You, you youngsters possibly <laughs> done, but yeah, margarine. Oh no, I never said it, but I don't use it actually, to be honest. But yeah, margarine. 
Right. I know what I'm sending Dan now. I'll find some margarine <laughs> online. No. <laughs> All right. We'll see if we can find something better. Well, let's talk about this week's episode. And, and Howard, as someone who has written a gluten-free cookbook, just tell us, how did you feel seeing this free-from week on the Bake Off? We had a free-from week in, in our year. Sadly, I didn't actually make it free-from week. So that was that was sad. But yeah, I, it's nice to see it back. I thought it was interesting, the, the opening bit, about Paul getting very upset about the idea of having a free-from week. I mean... They've done it before. Come on, get over it. It's not really that hard, is it? I I was also a bit surprised by the fact that I don't know if I've had a kind of lapse in libido or something, but the sight of of Paul growling or grunting in a ripped T-shirt, I thought would have had more effect on me than it did. So maybe it was the badly applied makeup, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a memorable opening to the episode to see Paul as the as the Hulk. Dan, what did you make of Paul? Not much, actually. I'm on the same page with Howard. I didn't I didn't make much of it. I got to be honest. Forgive me. Paul Hollywood's a bit old for my taste. No, I never looked at him in that way. I'm afraid, Howard, uh, you're oh, on your right. own on that one. <laughs> and, and Jane, I mean, much as we saw at the beginning of Caramel Week, this idea of survival and wanting to get through there was a little bit of that ahead of this week's episode I think it was Giuseppe who who used that word survive and just wanting to make it through just as someone who and I'm not rubbing it in Dan and Howard but as someone who was in a quarterfinal and had that experience how did you start to feel towards these last few episodes and the, and the pressure that sort of came on then? I don't remember feeling any more pressure then than I did anywhere else during the show but Mel and Sue came into us going you're quarter finalists and it's the first time we'd actually contemplated that finalist was attached to us in any way shape or form and it was quite exciting but also sad that it was possibly coming well it was definitely coming to an end because you only had another couple of episodes after that and just determined to enjoy it really because I loved every minute in that tent and I don't know I'm I was the oldest one in there by that stage and Certainly didn't lack any stamina, but you could see a couple of the others beginning to tire. And I thought, jolly good. I can keep going to this. If I... <laughs> no, I didn't really. It's tiring by the time you get to that stage. And it must be particularly tiring. I know we've talked about it before, about this lot being in the tent the whole time and being in their bubble. They must be getting pretty tired, I would have thought. And let's face it, you know, we prep our recipes quite a bit. Well, certainly we did. I don't know what they're doing now in the new setup, but we conceived our recipes before we even started filming, never expecting to be baking come week quarterfinals and, and semifinals and perhaps hadn't polished those recipes as much as we had some of the earlier ones. So I think it was, it's also time to sort of panic a bit and going, oh my God, that recipe I just threw together and sent off because I had a deadline. I really ought to have a look at it and see whether it works. So all sorts of strange things are going on in quarterfinal week. They appear to have more time for practice now and to be able to change their recipes pretty close to the the filming date. So I think it must be a, a very different place in the tent right now because of covid and bubbling and things like that yes yes so dan signature challenge eight identical dairy-free ice cream sandwiches Hmm. what do you make of this challenge and what would you have been looking out for as the key things to get right 
So the first thing would be obviously making the dairy-free ice cream. Honestly, not sure what route I would go down with that one. Instinctively, I thought oat milk because I love oat milk in my coffee because it tastes very creamy. So that's probably the route I would have gone down. Although the oat milk ice creams that I have eaten, I haven't actually particularly liked. So I probably would have tried to cover that up with a ton of flavor. Um, and then obviously it's the, the sandwich biscuit is getting the biscuit right as well. Um, but I thought there were some really interesting attempts. The, da- the dairy-free alternatives, there were a few different ones. Giuseppe went with the tofu and soy milk. I particularly like Paul's uh, deadpan delivery of delicious, uh, <laughs> as he was describing it. And Cheeks went for more of a, a sorbet vibe uh, with the mango. A mango sorbet is something I make a lot. It's super easy. You literally just get a tin of mango pulp, pour it in the machine and turn it on. That's literally it. It's the easiest thing in the world to make. And people are like, you made your own sorbet? I'm like, yeah, I literally pressed a button, opened a tin. It was an interesting challenge. I don't know if anyone particularly blew me away, although I was particularly inspired to see that Christelle was using miso because I don't think we've ever <laughs> seen that before. Is that the first time it's ever been used in the tent? I think it might be. So yeah, some really inspiring stuff from Christelle again. It is extraordinary. This miso has come every every week, Howard. I mean, there's no obvious brand association. I don't know if there's a leading brand of miso. If there is, I'm imagining the brand deal is already done for as soon as she's out of the tent. It's incredible, Howard. It is. And I, th- I thought it was so funny as well, because I know we've, we've not gotten to the technical yet, but there was some miso in, in the technical as well. <laughs> and she actually sort of pointed out, oh, it's not the same miso I used today. I thought, my goodness, I would have thought you've used every type of miso by now, Christelle, surely. You would have thought so. Howard, who's did you particularly like here? We saw a few different approaches. I mean, for example, Jürgen had these these macarons. They didn't quite rest as he hoped and look exactly as he imagined, perhaps. No, and I think it, it was interesting because... Um, Obviously, because they hadn't rested very well, you'd ended up with this kind of much flatter looking thing, which actually Pooh was saying was that was quite nice, a bit chewy, she liked it. The thing that annoyed me about Jürgen was his choice of plates. Why would you choose two odd plates like that to display them on? I, just, I just thought that doesn't show them off very nicely, does it? But anyway, I get distracted by stuff like that. You also spot things that the rest of us don't. So we're <laughs> very grateful to have you here. James, who's leapt out to you here? Well, I mean, miso aside, <laughs> I like the sound of, of Christelle's, to be honest. I've, I've got a big jar of tahini in the fridge and actually some miso. I never use it in anything sweet and perhaps I should. But I liked the idea of that, to be honest. I like the um, sesame seeds on the top. Well, on, on half of them that have the top and, and the coffee and you know frappuccino i love frappuccino do we say frappuccino like frame <laughs> or frappuccino no crystals i really like the idea of chicks is i didn't particularly i don't think it was supposed to be sorbet ish was it i don't think so anyway which is i quite love it but a bit like howard i wasn't really blown away and the only ones that stood out to me were crystals and jürgen's Hmm. You know, they had three hours and he's faffing about, sorry, Jürgen, I do love you, Jürgen, really, if you're listening. And he's faffing about trying to get his meringue to cool and going on about this seems counterintuitive, tipping up 120 degrees sugar into egg white. We do it all the time. 
mean, yeah, we, I mean, telemarine, buttercream and all this sort of stuff. So I don't know what he, what he was going on about, really. But there was no excuse not to get those uh, macaron shells made and rested. You know, you've got a lot of freezing time and while that ice cream is churning, you can be making your Italian meringue, you know, Maybe he doesn't multitask. I, I don't. I don't know. But I didn't see why he didn't manage to get those done. And and sorry, this could be Howard's hump later. But I'm going for it anyway. Way way back, it was Flora had made this biscuit construction of a carousel, I think. And she thought, oh, I know what. I'm going to make some macarons. And she put some. She made some macarons. And Paul went, oh God, he was really mean to her and said, if you can't make them properly, there's no point in putting them on at all. And he was. Really, really, really spiteful, I thought. Poor Flora. She was only a baby, wasn't she, really? And they were awful macarons. They were awful. Jürgen makes some awful macarons. And he got off so lightly with them. Yeah, I was... I don't think he should have told Giuseppe he was disappointed with him. I think he should, at that stage, have told Jürgen he was disappointed with him. I, I, was, I was quite cross, as you might be able to tell. The inconsistency this week of... Judging wound me up a bit, in case you hadn't guessed. So I have a theory about why Jürgen's macaron didn't work. And can I just say, he kept saying macaroons, and we will forgive him because obviously English isn't his first language, but he said macaroons about 20 times, and it was like nails on a chalkboard to me. Macaron. Anyway, so I have a theory about why they didn't work. So in the tent, if you're super lazy because you don't want to separate eggs, you can ask for egg whites. And then if you ask for egg whites, they give you boxed egg whites. And the boxed egg whites do not reach the same full volume as separating fresh eggs. And he said, oh, my macaron didn't work out in practice. I wasn't patient enough with the meringue. And I think actually because they were boxed egg whites, they never would have whipped up to full volume. And the reason we make Italian meringue when, when we choose to do so is because it is the most stable. And given by how much the feet on those macarons spread, I think the meringue just did not have any strength to it. So I think that's not really his fault. It's only his fault in as much as he was too lazy to separate his own eggs. Well, actually, no, let's not get too serious about this. But I would be very convinced that uh, he, he used boxed egg whites and that's why he didn't have success uh, with with. Macaron. I don't always have huge success with those whipped egg whites. Actually, I did email the company that we will buy it from that supplies them in Tesco's, which we perhaps should remain nameless. I did email them a couple of times because I did have mega fails with those egg whites and they didn't have the courtesy to respond in any way, which I thought was quite annoying. Did uh, you say to them, hello, I'm celebrity baker Jane Beadle. You may remember me from the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> no. Dan, Dan, you would never do that, right? You'd no. never send that email. He uh, never pretends to be Jane, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. But yes, yeah, so you may be right. However, we when a Bake the Legend, we've all done classes in, in London, face-to-face classes in London at a lovely place called Marangels. They use the boxed egg whites, pasteurised egg whites, a lot for their meringues. And having witnessed some of their produce, they clearly don't seem to have a problem with it. So it could be all sorts of reasons, couldn't it? It could have had a greasy bowl. We all know that you should make sure it's grease-free. I don't know. But it wasn't the fact that they didn't whip up. It was the fact that here he is, sort of half an hour from the end, still trying to get his meringue to cool. And I I think it could have been done in the first hour. I I really, the the timing seemed to go out of the window and Paul let him get away with it. I I just, 
I think they have like, uh, and you'll kill me for saying this, but I do think that they have kind of, naturally people have favorites in real life you know people sort of you know like when other ki people's kids do something I'm like that's outrageous and it shouldn't be allowed and when my kids do it I'm like oh that's adorable so you know like we all have favorites uh, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes the judges have favorites too I think I won't name anyone but like the judges seem to have sort of little little pet favorites on my season and I dare say they do on other seasons as well and yeah I think Jürgen does get did seem to get a little bit of a free pass on that one. I would agree with you on that, Jane. Yeah, I think there was almost a feeling that he had invented something potentially a little bit interesting or different in the feedback that he was given. It was fairly positive, um, nevertheless. And just before we move on, Howard, a, a word on Lizzie, who, of course, we were sad to see leave at the end of the episode. And it's been a constant question about her finesse or otherwise. We, we probably didn't see finesse here in the signature from her. No, we didn't. Although I do think that Prue is a bit bit kind of cruel, cruel towards her about she shouldn't have pointed out that there were dogs on the biscuits because they'd lost their definition. It's like, well, yeah, but she tried to enhance it with a bit of glitter. I thought it was. I thought they were quite nice. I don't know what this thing about Jaguar Wee was. Black, <laughs> you. Black. I mean, I think she was just maybe. Yeah, just she's into her animals, isn't she? I mean, can all. But has she? Has she now been close to a a, a Jaguar? You're well, or she rode one. She rode one with a paper bag on its head, Howard, and it was very upset. What, no. Whatever happens this series, it peaked when we had a story and later some photographic evidence of Lizzie riding an ostrich that uh, made its way onto Twitter via Lizzie's feed. Absolutely fantastic. And so on to the technical challenge. Eight identical vegan sausage rolls. And before we get too far going on this, a, a quiz question for all of you, not vegan sausage rolls, but do, do all of any of you know how many sausage rolls Greg's, which for those listening in America is a huge UK bakery chain, how many sausage rolls does Greg sell every week, do you think? Is this including the, their now very popular vegan one, or is it? A very good question, but no, this is excluding the vegan, just excluding regular sausage rolls. One. Because I think, you know, I want to let our American listeners know, a sausage roll here is a bit of an institution, and no more so than ones that come from Greg's. When the vegan sausage roll was released, I remember reading articles about how many were sold in a week, and it was high, because there's only about 60 million people in the country, and I reckon it was really high. I think it was something like 2 million or something. It was a wow. lot. I'll go with two million. A two week. million. Howard, what's your guess? Oh, oh, I wasn't going anywhere near as many as that. Um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go one point five million. All right. A million popped into my head as soon as you said it, so I'm going for a million. Probably doesn't sound enough. No. Two and a half million. Two and a half. Oh, that's there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Such is a, a such a but. But Howard and you will be making at our class on Sunday these vegan sausage rolls, which we're excited about. So, so yeah. tell us everything that you thought about this challenge, and then we're looking forward to uh, your class on Sunday. Yeah, I, th I thought it was a, a, a nice challenge. I was surprised actually how many of them didn't seem to know what shape they were aiming for. I think crystals looked more like little pastas, didn't they, rather than than sausage rolls? But yeah, it was a it was a good challenge. Uh, I like the idea that you've got a number of things to do. So there was not just the filling, but also to do a chutney or something to, to go alongside it. Oh, my goodness, weren't they overhandling that pastry, though? Sometimes just 
oh, kind of really pummeling it. And you think, oh, just handle it a bit lighter, please. I, sh I should be instructing people to not pummel their pastry as much as uh, as some of them were. But yeah, nice challenge. Tricky, but, but doable. I thought the filling was quite complicated. We're going to go for a, a slightly simpler vegan filling um, that doesn't have quite so many ingredients. No miso. Unless people want to put miso in it, but yeah. Maybe some disappointment for lack of miso, <laughs> Howard, but we'll have to make sure that it is optional. I mean, Greg's did release, of course, their vegan sausage roll a couple of years ago, and it, it drove apparently a 15% rise in, in total sales in the business and has been seen as a huge success for the company um, as well. So uh, yeah, there you go. That is a, a bit more background for everyone who's interested in the vegan sausage rolls. So, Dan, who do you think did well in this challenge? Who do you think really got to grips with their vegan sausage roll? Well, obviously, Chiggs did great. Um, I was He did really amuse me, though, where he said, they said, oh, how are you going to, uh, you know, do the puff pastry? And Chiggs said, well, I'm just going to do a book fold and then proceeded to do a letter fold. I don't think he knew the difference between a book fold and a letter fold. For those, anyone who doesn't know, a letter fold, you fold into three, and then a book fold, you essentially fold it into four. You fold the edges into the middle, and then you fold the whole thing in half, so it looks like a book. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was quite funny. Uh, they do that They do that every season. They'll edit it like that when someone makes a mistake or misspeaks, so that was quite funny. What the heck was going on with Christelle's pastry? It looks so dry. What was that? Do you reckon she missed some fat or some liquid or something? Does anyone know? Did they show it? I don't know. At one point she said, have I put enough water in my pastry? I'm just going to go with it. You know, those of us who do make puff pastry on a regular basis, you just put in enough water to make it come together and hold. You should. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a matter of touch and touch and feel, so to speak. I don't know. I think, mm, I, don't, I, I don't know. I've never used that vegan block. Has anybody used that vegan block in um, puff pastry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I did a practice run the other day with it um i didn't use the the method that that they were doing with the kind of grating just use little bits of it you know little cubes oh gosh amazing actually i thought no, yeah, really good the one that works the only one that works in my opinion is the one that's branded after a bird you know the one i mean that one works well the other ones i found have been too soft but uh that that one works quite nicely i'm, oh. I'm struggling to think what this bird's name dork oh right <laughs> we're not on the bbc now <laughs> i'm thinking dicky or that. something Dicky <laughs> <Dickie> block. <laughs> like the way mine's going. Like there. a dicky bird or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and stalk, the block is vegan, but you can buy a for those of you in the UK, I don't suppose you can get it in the States, but for those the, the, the stalk that comes in a tub is not vegan because it has sort of butter, buttermilk in it or something. But the block is brilliant for cakes, brilliant for pastry, and uh, margarine, I think we used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure they were they using a big. Were they? Is that what it looks? Called? It looked like they were using Trex. Sorry, now we're just getting straight into brand names. It looked it was white. They were adding a white block to it, so yeah, I imagine that was yeah. Trex. Uh, Trex is too soft. Trex I for those so. states is very like Crisco. It's slightly firmer than Crisco. Crisco is quite greasy. Crisco, yeah, it is. I'm just looking at the Greg's website to see what's in there, sausage rolls, actually. Um, deliciously light puff pastry with a seasoned corn filling. 
And corn, for those of you who don't know what it is, is a microprotein. It's basically, it's a, a fungi that they grow. Yeah. I'm assuming you will have something similar wherever you are listening in the world. My issue with that filling for this, and I don't know whether it's in that book that you've got, Howard. It's the, it, yeah. the series, is that you have, as one who has just made a beef wellington and uh, made a duck cell to wrap around, to go around it, you have to cook your mushrooms off for quite a long time to get all the water out. Otherwise, your pastry is going to go soggy. And so you've got, you've got to cook your mushrooms out so you don't have a soggy puff pastry. You've got walnuts in there which are quite dry anyway, once you've toasted them off. I think by the time you cooked your pastry, it's no wonder so many of them had trouble with the, a dry filling. Well, I don't know what else is in the recipe. What else is in that recipe filling? How is um, it? It's got, it's got um, miso, yes. Um, <laughs> lentils and flax seeds, which are going to bind it together and make it even more kind of compacted and dry, I would have thought. Because fla- flax seeds are like an egg replacement, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. What, what do you think, Dan, of Lizzie's approach to making these at home, where she said she smushes up the veggie sausages and puts them in a pastry? Do you know what? I, yeah, I quite often just buy like sausage meat stuffing and just, you know, in a big block and just put that down the middle of a, a pre rolled puff pastry sheet. It's very, uh, it's literally five minutes to get it in the oven and everyone loves them. I was more shocked by her crimping method. Uh, I think Howard touched on it. I, I don't know if people knew how to make what shape they were going for, but she did sort of a weird sort of pasty crimp, didn't she? And that's, uh, I would do it, Giuseppe's were very flat, it seemed, but I, that's what I would do with just, just going out to the side and maybe closing them up with a, with a, a fork or something. Um, but yeah, she did a weird crimp and uh, that that did look like a pasty. I think there was a, a confusion as well because uh, uh, James Wright that uh, about the the recipe in the book. The recipe in the book says put five or six slits in it. You know, on one side, fold it over. The exemplary baits, the one that that Paul and Prue were looking at. I'm counting the slits on there. They probably got about seven. And the instructions that they're working to said ten. It's like, how can you get ten slits in the sausage roll? So I think they've changed their mind since then. I think they thought that's that's not achievable. Yeah, the, a lot of them were, were fanning open really aggressively and showing a lot of the filling. And I didn't, that wasn't cute. That's not, they're not supposed to look like that. Now, Howard, you often spot little things that appear. Did you see all the plasters that Jürgen seemed to have out of nowhere sort of halfway through this episode? Did you spot those? No, I didn't spot that. Yeah, so several did, of I... these blue plasters appeared. I don't know what had happened to him. I was a little bit concerned. I think he's probably trying to put too many slits in his sausage rolls. I think, he's... <laughs> I, I think that is probably that is probably it. I mean, go on, go on, Jane. I mean, this was another impressive, ultimately huge win for Chigs, and it clearly meant so much to him as the person that hadn't been baking for very long to come in and tick the box of win technical challenge in a Bake Off episode. Yeah, I'm delighted for Chicks. He's so lovable, isn't he? Uh, I, I like to. I just wanted to comment on the glaze, though, that they were putting on there. And Chicks mentioned it. I think the glaze was almond milk and agave. I mean, assuming agave syrup, I, I wouldn't dream of... Uh, I suppose you couldn't use egg. And maybe they were just trying to put something on it that made it look a bit more brown i don't know but i thought the idea of glazing with agave syrup and a savory sausage roll sounded disgusting myself we're glazing with a mix of kind of non-dairy milk and a bit of soy sauce actually which i think is better than using agave i absolutely agree with you i thought that sounded 
horrible. And I mean, Jürgen actually was very lucky because they don't know who they're judging. So they wouldn't have known that the person who dropped their sausage rolls all over the floor and then scooped them up and put them on the tray. And those floors are not exactly the most savoury things. So, you know, the, the one second rule, two second rule, three second rule certainly doesn't count in the tent because they, they're not supposed to know who baked them. They couldn't say, oh, Jürgen, <laughs> have we got a little bit of carpet fluff on here? Um, so I think he got away with that, really. I think he had a, an escape this week, Jürgen in my opinion. Yeah, it was a surprise to see those hit the floor back in the oven. You you almost wonder if they then made sure that the ones that possibly had gone near the floor was not the one that was eaten, but it, it wasn't terribly clear. Well, look, Chig's winning the challenge, followed by Giuseppe. Lizzie was third, Jürgen fourth, and Christelle fifth. And it seemed fairly apparent even at this point in the show that it was going to be a Lizzie or Christelle at the bottom. Obviously, Giuseppe didn't do particularly well down uh, down in the showstopper. Let's move on to the showstopper, a visually spectacular gluten-free celebration cake. Looking for this to be beautifully decorated, of course. A minimum of two tiers. They had four hours to do this and Paul highlighted didn't he Howard how he basically didn't want to know that this was a gluten-free cake but he would have known because they've set the challenge yeah absolutely he wants it all doesn't he yeah I want a gluten-free cake that doesn't taste or look like a gluten-free cake yeah no I I suppose it's what we all want really you don't want a gluten-free cake that that is dry or or dense or anything like that but then again you wouldn't want any cake that's that's like that so you've just got to apply the same kind of standards um but yeah i thought there were some some interesting flavors nothing particularly that that kind of blew me away other than lizzie's decoration which i thought was was amazing yeah brilliant and jane of course we saw lizzie make a cake that she felt reflected her personality. It looked amazing. What did you make of it? I thought it was absolutely stunning. And I think Prue had said at some point, um, we've never seen anything like it. Um, I thought it was beautiful. I thought she did a great job. I loved the rice paper, whatever they were called. What, what, I can't remember. They, fins, rice paper fins. I thought they looked beautiful. Incredible piping from her with all those different colours. Loads of work. But I just wanted to comment on the flour. I'm assuming they, when I ever make a gluten-free cake, and I'd be interested to hear what Howard uses normally, I go and get one of the Dove's Farms. Here we go while we're mentioning brands, because that's what we have over here. Gluten-free, self-raising flour. And I use that because it's perfectly well-balanced. And a Victoria sponge, frankly, tastes like a Victoria sponge, gluten-free or not. And I assume, because none of them were using ready-prepared mixes, that they were told they weren't allowed to use ready-prepared mixes. I'm assuming that was in the brief. It wasn't mentioned, but I assume, because otherwise, why wouldn't you use it? And Lizzie used coconut flour. Now, again, I'd be interested to know what Howard and Dan think of this. I've only used coconut flour once, and Lizzie mentioned it and said it just absorbs so much liquid because it is quite hard to work with coconut flour. And I've only used it once, and I didn't have great success, and I left it in the cupboard and haven't used it since. But so I'll be interested to know what people think of that. But she was using 25 eggs, uh, and I assume that was 
Not because she was using the egg whites in an, an Italian meringue buttercream. I don't think they made a great fuss about all the butter, what the buttercreams were. I assume she was using those eggs to counteract the dryness of the flour and to help bind the cake. So I would have liked to have known a little bit more about how that all works. But I thought, yeah, well, we're talking Lizzie. Lizzie did a great job and I love her and I'm so sorry. I would be sorry to see any of them go, but she was such a character and such fun. And I think it... This is the first time we've heard about all her mental health issues and her, I, you know, I think she's done brilliantly. She was so entertaining and, and hasn't she done well? And the cake, I thought, was an absolute stunner. Yeah, I, she, did, she did unbelievably well and will be remembered, I think, incredibly positively by everyone who's enjoyed mm. this series. With regards to uh, the coconut flour, it, it it does absorb a lot of moisture and it can lead to quite a dense cake, which I imagine she had a lot of the eggs for because it helps. The eggs help a lot with structure and obviously with lightness as well. I make gluten-free banana bread that I use coconut flour in and that's quite pleasant, but it's quite a dense cake anyway, so it's not a problem in that. I think Christelle went just... I think you're right that they weren't allowed to use pre-mixed blends, which is obviously made the job a little bit harder. Christelle says she went for the rice flour, which is very, very similar um, to corn flour. Um, so you can use it uh, pretty much interchangeably for that. And I think that would have worked quite well. But I think everybody did well in this challenge. And I think actually, um, I think we have to defer to Howard on this though. Howard, did anyone s- stick out for you uh, in particular with regards just to the cake? No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I tend to use coconut flour more in, in pastry and biscuits and things like that, because it does have a, a kind of crisper adds a crisper texture to it in a cake i would probably use kind of desiccated coconut and rice flour something like that combination what i tend to do as well is is kind of celebrate the difference in what you can do so if you are doing something like a polenta cake it is bound to have a different texture or if you use ground almonds so it's about understanding you know what flour or what flour substitute to use for the kind of texture that you particularly want in that cake. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought there were, as I say, some interesting approaches. Giuseppe went the, the flourless route with his uh, his kind of black forest cake, which again is, a, is an approach that you can do. Not the most successful, I don't think. No, Giuseppe, you almost worried, was so far behind the others, possibly in the showstopper, that he was putting himself, himself in danger. Although when we saw the scene at the kitchen table, that was ruled out fairly quickly and it was uh, clearly going to be um, Christelle and Lizzie. Jane, Jane, what do you make of the feedback Gi- Giuseppe got? It wasn't the most positive. Well, no, it wasn't. And I don't think, I don't know, I just think Paul was maybe a bit anti-Giuseppe this week and very pro Jürgen, to be honest. I, I don't know what the cake was like in the middle. I, I mean, we we none of us can. And I'm I'm not sure why he put puffed rice in there. I don't think I would have liked that very much, to be fair. Paul didn't like the look of it. And I thought it looked perfectly lovely. I thought it looks quite restrained and elegant on the top. Paul and, and Prue really liked the way it looked. Very neat, very beautiful. Paul didn't. But he said something that really wound me up. When Giuseppe sort of piped upwards bits of I'm assuming it's cream actually I don't know what it was he said well that covers up an awful lot doesn't it well why would upward piped stuff cover up any more than any other piped stuff or or coating that you put on a cake I'm 
not I'm not sure what Paul had against it. To be perfectly honest, I thought it looked I thought it looked lovely. Yes, he was underwhelmed. Expected better. Well, maybe the cake wasn't very nice, but he really slammed into him about the decoration. And quite honestly, I thought Jürgen's looked an absolute mess. I don't agree with them saying it was beautiful at all. It was wonky, the piping, the drip was awful. They said the piping was great. The three layers were all wobbly. Why, did, why didn't he have a go at Jürgen and said it was lovely and beautiful and all that sort of stuff? And, and slammed Giuseppe for his decoration. The inside cakes are something completely different. I thought Jürgen's looked amazing on the inside and didn't he do well? But I just thought that it was such um, one-sided judging. I just, I, I didn't get that. I would have to agree, actually. So I think, obviously, there's no accounting for taste. Everyone has their own tastes. But I thought Giuseppe's looked great. And, yeah, Paul sort of laid into him for that. And I thought that Jürgen's looked, I mean, it was an impressive amount of cake and an impressive amount of work, but I didn't think it looked amazing. And I remember on our season, I remember, you know, someone went up and I thought their cake looked absolutely awful. And uh, the judges were talking about how wonderful it was and how beautiful and perfect it looked. So you're just like, you know, sometimes the judges' critiques do surprise us. Although Prue did say that Giuseppe's cake was quite gluey. So I think maybe it played more into the texture of it. And I think... Howard says if you overdo the xanthan gum, it can make it quite gluey, can't it? It, it can, absolutely. I'd, I'd try and avoid uh, using xanthan gum, but I don't think Giuseppe had put any xanthan gum in his, so I don't know what was making it gluey. I also thought it was strange that Paul does this thing, doesn't he, where he'll say, oh, if only you'd done it like this, this would have made it much, much better. So he's so they're criticising the texture of the cake, a bit stodgy, gluey and so on. And then Paul says that if he'd not done a, a Chantilly cream, if he'd done an Italian meringue buttercream, that would have worked beautifully well. Well, you think, well, what's that going to do to the texture of the cake underneath? Nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree totally. Yeah. And so it proved as we hit towards the end of the podcast that we were uncertain who was going to leave. Was it going to be Christelle or Lizzie? So we come to Judge Jane firstly. Christelle or Lizzie or anyone else, Jane? Where where were you thinking this was heading? What did you make of the decision? Well, I mean, I, to be honest, if I'd had to put money on it, this, I would have kept my money in my pocket because I really didn't know who was going to go or who. I think Chiggs was a worthy winner he seemed to be pretty consistent through the first two challenges and he did have a lovely cake didn't he I was very envious of his chocolate collar um and I like the idea he used cream cheese um I did want to just say that I thought Christelle looked stunning absolutely stunning what a great design but then somebody said, Prue said too much buttercream and Paul said, oh, I love all the buttercream. We needed it. Oh, God. It really did seem like a week of favourites this week to me. Um, I don't know. I think it, well, until they, we had that break where they said that uh, Giuseppe was safe, I was worried. I, I actually thought Giuseppe could go, to be honest. I, I don't think he, I don't think it was at his finest hour. I'm glad he hasn't because I picked him as my winner. I think Christelle could have gone, to be honest. Lizzie's sausage rolls were quite a bit better than Christelle's. And apart from a little bit uneven in her her signature, I don't think she did badly at all. So, yeah, it was a real toss-up. Um, and it did 
you never know what's going on behind the scenes and they do build things up so that it seems like a bit more of a cliffhanger so perhaps we haven't seen something that went on but I think Christelle could have gone but it's hard to put a hard to put between it so I'm sorry to see Lizzie go but um, Jürgen's cake tasted too good for him to go, although I've moaned about him a lot this week. Oh, I haven't moaned about him. I've moaned about Paul's judging. I'm sorry, Jürgen. I, I think you're lovely. But, mm, yeah, it was a tight one all round. Apart from Chiggs, I don't think anybody stood out for me this week. Uh, Howard, it was it was clearly the most difficult decision we'd seen during the series so far in terms of who left. I'd almost thought, I don't know whether this is my hump this week, but I've decided it's it's not. Um, but Paul said something which which really concerned me. He said, you need to look at it generally as bakers, which one deserves their place in the semi-final? And I thought, actually, we've always believed that it's who's done best or who's not done worst. It's not about who deserves a place. You're not looking at their performance over the past weeks. It should be on yeah. what they've done this week. So I thought that was... Um, that was frustrating, a little bit annoying, I thought. Well, well, Howard, you told us what was not your hump just now. Will you tell us what was your hump? Yes, I'm sorry. And I know I've had this before, but I'm going to have it again. Oh, plastic wrap, cling film. For goodness sake, you know, this is, this is one of those weeks where we're supposed to be looking at environmental issues. You know, vegan moving to a kind of plant-based diet is supposed to be better for the environment so let's lead the way and not wrap our vegan pastry in cling film find some other way put something else on it well i would say they could use beeswax paper but then that's not vegan is it so uh no but they could they could (laughs) just put it in a tub or something like that you know it doesn't have to be as long as, as there's not air around it just put it in something Ziploc bag, a Ziploc bag I use all the time. I wash them out. I've probably said this before and I hang them on my washing line to dry. I mean, you just use them over and over and over again. There's there's no excuse for that plastic wrap, to be honest. And I do think, I think we've said it in past series, I do think that they have a responsibility. They they broadcast to seven, eight, nine, ten million people a week. Goodness sake. For goodness sake, lead the way. Yeah, we can we can understand the the hump, and it's something that I think has been uh, mentioned before. Howard, we did have one email from Erin in Austin, Texas, who is a huge fan of the hump, thinks it's the absolute highlight of this podcast, uh, and said, "I write to express my fervent agreement with Howard's recent hump regarding Paul Hollywood's manhandling of bakes during judging. I always watch with horror as Paul goes full Missy Elliott on a bake, asking, is it worth it?'" Let me work it. I put my thumb down. I flip it and reverse it. So after destroying the bake, he always says something such as that's down to the proving. No, it's down to your Shrek hand crushing it, says Erin in Texas. Thank you for the podcast. Well, what a way that would be to end the podcast. But before we do, Dan, you just want to say a final word. What did you make of these decisions? On the note of taking into account past performance, when I heard Paul say that I could hear Jane screaming from the other side of the country because I know uh, how much she is averse to that way of thinking. And I thought that was, uh, you know, kind of right. But actually, although it was sad to see Lizzie go home, I really liked her arc. 
on the show. And I liked the way she finished making this bake that was all about her, where she had this moment that, you know, made the cake that reflected her. And it was a real like winning moment where she finally brought finesse. So I thought it was sad to see her go, but a lovely note to send her off on. So um, I thought it was, it was a nice, nice way to wrap up Lizzie's time on in the Bake Off tent. It, it was. And, and yet another example, which we saw with George last week of the final bake on the show being, impressive and absolutely something to be proud of as you bid farewell to the tent so thank you to dan howard and jane for joining once again next week of course the semi-final episode we will look forward to that as ever i will draw your attention to the many online classes that we have got um, on sale particularly as we head into christmas if you want to get voucher packages it's a lovely gift and makes coming to the classes that little bit more um, economical and of course do not worry classes will be continuing well into the new year howard has got his mini stolen and lebkuchen we said we will do dan's booster noel once it was full we said we will do it twice it was full so a third booster noel is on there for the 12th of december whilst we are really looking forward to jane's hanukkah donuts the orange and spice chai chai latte cake which only has two places uh, left as we record this and then of course we've got jane's christmas tree cake as well the week before christmas so do check those out bakewithlegend.com slash online classes use the code podcast for 10 percent off Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again next Wednesday. You just heard a stripped media production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.